Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks, our heroes have employed the help of a tabaxi hunter named Quat to guide them through the dangerous jungles of the Isle of Dread. They're headed for a volcano about two days' journey away, hoping to find a teleportation circle that will help them transport around the island, as well as back and forth from the elemental plane of water to the material plane. But first, they must get through the jungle filled with elemental dinosaurs and other dangerous creatures. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lorne. You might know me as Oboe. I have, in my Jack-gifted glass, a Jack and Coke. Nice! It is Jack times two, and it is lovely, and it is just the right amount of drink that I should be having on this, a lovely Thursday, with my lovely friends. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and once again, I am playing Jonathan the Muscular, and today I have a variety of Truly Ciders. This one is nearly done. This is, uh, what is it? This is the mango? Really good. Mm. And done. So good. And this one is Black Cherry Lemonade. Uh, I've had a couple of these already. Uh, they're quite good, but no need for a first-time tasting, because I'm pretty sure I've already had this. Sure. And uh, today's shot of Fireball, to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, is dedicated to a friend. Uh, her name is Jackie, uh, Jackie Wazawa, and uh, she has uh, left her teeth. Uh, she's no longer their community manager, but I want to wish her all the best, because she is an awesome friend and one of the best people I know. So, Jackie, this one's for you. You're right, Cheers Jackie. to Jackie. Absolutely. Cheers to Jackie. Wonderful human. She's good people. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we will uh, be able to hang out with her again in a different way. And from one community manager to another, good luck and may the force be with you. Bernie, what are you drinking? All right. Let me put down down my knitting. I didn't think you were going to me next. It's fine. (laughs) I try to vary it up every single week and I do a little pattern around the Zoom call and I try to make sure that nobody has to go first all the time and no one has to go last. And I probably fail miserably, but I try. Well, tonight I have, I think I've had this on here before, but it has been a minute. I have from Whitewater Brewing Company, and I thought this was very appropriate, their Blood Moon. It is a blood orange sour, so it's a little bit like summery still because I normally drink sour beers in summer. And I will say I got this a while back and was just kind of saving it for spoopy season. <laughs> so Spoopy season. See, and of course I'm drinking it in my wonderful groom's person glass. And I'm trying to do a better pour than I normally do. Sorry, it's an audio podcast. We can just say, oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, look, no, look, at, look at that pour. So, oh, so, so great. That pour. Beautiful pour. Jeez. We should take a picture of that. <laughs> I just might. It smells very good. It's got a wonderful, like, tangy, sour taste. It is kind of a little reminiscent of summer, but it does have strong. The blood orange is forward in a really good way. Awesome. You know who's also forward in a really good way? Carlton. What are you drinking? That's me. Uh, I have uh, Yoritos uh, Guava Soda. It was from my run uh, a little while back at the liquor store. Not buying liquor, but buying weird sodas. Getting weird mm. looks from the cashiers when you check out with nothing but soda <laughs> at the <a> liquor store. 
well, you know, they're going to have the weird sodas, so that's where you're going to go. Uh, it is very pink and very sweet. I'm trying to see if there's a correlation, but I don't think so. But now that you I know think about it- not very pink, but it is still very sweet? <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that is pink, but not sweet. As Travancore. Wise. Travancore is not is pink and rose. very sweet. Rosé is often- I got some pink, it's fine. No, Travancore yeah. loves rosé. Rosé is pink, but not often sweet. Sometimes you can have there a nice dry rosé. It's fair. Perfect. Travancore with that excellent introduction. What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is a com- once again a combination of a hot apple cider and uh, pumpkin-flavored uh, malt liquor. But uh, this time I'm actually using uh, the sweet- Weaver Orchard Sweet Apple Cider. So it- there's no added sugar, but the way they brew it, it comes out a little bit sweeter. So it masks the flavor of the cinnamon and the allspice and the cloves, unfortunately. It's still good, don't get me wrong. But I like it better when you can taste the individual components a little bit more. So uh, yeah, so I'm, this is a good cider. I'll definitely go with it this time, but maybe not for this cocktail. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get into some good ciders before before spoopy season is over. I'm I'm not necessarily a spoopy person. I'm not this. I'm not into scary movies. I'm not into horror. I'm not into any of that. But I I do like a good hot cider. Yeah, that's mm. just the fall into winter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also like pumpkin spice lattes and, you know, that the whole, I like the season even if I don't like the spooky. Yeah, mm. you know how, you gotta like, I mean, like, people gotta like what they like. Y'all, it is 2020. Yeah. This year tried to murder us. And in some ways it is succeeding. It's still trying. Yeah. Please, this is my PSA. Like what you like. If the thing mm-hmm. you like doesn't hurt anybody, it's great. If the thing someone else likes doesn't hurt anybody and you don't like it. Keep your mouth shut. You don't like pineapple on your pizza? Don't put pineapple on your pizza. You don't like pumpkin spice lattes? Don't buy them. Just don't buy them. Or at least be like, ah, that's not for me, but I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah. That's fine. You know, I enjoy other people's enjoyment of things that I do not enjoy. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. You don't have to like it and you don't have to pretend to like it, but you do have to respect that it doesn't hurt you that someone else enjoys it. My joy takes nothing from you. If it's not your joy by mounds, it's not a big deal. And with that, let's go to my joy, which is running D&D for my friends. You are all currently trooping through the thick jungle, the overgrown, semi-warm kind of, there's a little bit of moisture in the air. There's a lot of weird sounds. It is very thick undergrowth and impossible to see or even uh, feel anything going on around you that isn't just saturated with plants and bugs and just the weird sense of a world you are not used to. You are currently following your recently discovered is the wrong word your your recently acquired uh, acquainted friend, acquainted, <laughs> acquainted. Uh, tabaxi quat who is with relative assurity leading you through a path that started out as a, a fairly substantial dirt almost a road and is now shrunk to a glorified game trail, something that obviously has gotten a lot of use, but is small. You are pretty much single file, especially the the larger version, uh, the larger people in your party, Carlton and the bear, are forced into a single file. A Bernie might be able to be side by side with somebody else, and you just brush up against a, a wet leaf every once in a while. It is not 
comfortable, but you are not too uncomfortable. Everything is just a little too hot and a little too weird. And after your encounter with the electrified stegosaurus from a little while ago, everybody's perceptions is a little on edge. Everybody is a little keyed in. And if it wasn't for the Rarys telepathic bond allowing you all to talk with each other, Quat would have been encouraging all of you to be quiet, not necessarily stealthy. You're not making a stealthy trip through the the jungle, but you are all encouraged to be cautious. And so it is at this point that I would like everybody to make perception checks. Uh, let's start with Carlton. What'd you get? Uh, that'll be a 24. And Travancore and Shadow? Travancore got a 19. Shadow got a 14, but that's a one on the die. <laughs> Oh, but his bonus is amazing. Uh, why why does Shadow fail so miserably at really perceiving too much around him besides what's going on in the jungle? I was told there would be dinosaurs, but I did not properly prepare. Oh, Shadow. Shadow is still pondering the stegosauri from before. Uh, Jonathan and Bucks. Jonathan the Magimuscular is clearly not in the perceiving headspace. He gets a nine, a nine. Um, uh, Bucks, on the other hand, is doing quite a bit better, and he gets an 18. Is Bucks currently on a shoulder or flying above? Where Where is Bucks right now? Is Bucks still with me? Pro- yeah, Bucks is probably still with you because he is not... These are alien skies, effectively, and he doesn't know what's around. Even though he, he technically is an extraplanar being, he don't want to get swallowed up. And Bernie, what about you? Apropos of her little feathered friend, Bernie also got an 18. So Bernie is okay. like, basically said, you can stay down here with me. It's really nice and safe low to the ground because the big things will eat the tall ones first. Bucks nods like knowingly. He's like, mm, mm-hmm. You've done a swoop. Much easier to grab what's sticking out of the grass. So it's funny uh, as an aside. I was trying to remember when Travancore was talking to animals because I was like, that's also the one where Bucks killed a blue, uh, like a, like a blue jay or something. And I was like, what episode was that? So I went through episode 184, the naming of Leonard at around, I think the 38 minute mark. Um, that whole bit from when John says, Hey, Travancore, I hear there. I hear there's a dragon around. Maybe you should ask the animals if uh, if they've heard anything. And then Travancore goes and tries to spooks ask the deer. Spooks the deer. And there was that wonderful thing where where Lauren goes, "Hey, Bucky, there's a dragon." And I like ro- roll back from my chair. I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck, a dragon!" As Bucky <laughs> the deer. That is 16 minutes of. Some of our best stuff. And I think everyone, like, everyone gets in a little bit. I think Bernie's contribution was, uh, she was talking about, uh, like, uh, like I think how gods work. Uh, I'd have to go back. But I was thinking about it. I'm like, this would be perfect for, like, an animated storyboard. That whole bit would, like, it's 16 minutes, so it would have to be, like, broken up. But, well, like, when Travancore's talking to the deer, that would be a wonderful, like, animated moment when Carl is going hey um there's a dragon and you know just all of it perfect 
And I listened to that. I needed to pick me up the other day. I listened to that shit like, I don't know, like six or seven times. Aw. Harry Potter, if you're listening, we need you. So, Sorry. That's okay. This retrospective brought to you by <laughs> Jonathan, for whatever reason, you've been reminded of this moment in your life. And you're kind of mulling it over. And so it's not that you're unaware of what's going on around you. You're still keeping an eye and an ear and a feel out for everything. But you've just woken up with this weird, pleasant memory of that that time where you were comfortable after saving a bunch of uh, helping a bunch of kobolds relocate and be in a safe location. And it's it's a pleasant memory. I think also Bucks is since he's narrowed low down with uh, with with uh, with Bernie, he is remembering his own predatory exploits and being reminded of he is the little bird now. And all of you, as I said, as you're walking through the jungle, it's it's now been a couple of hours since you've left the town and since you saw the Stegosaurus and it's getting into later in the afternoon. It is still bright outside. You can't see a sun, but it would be, you know, overhead, if not starting to dip. So there's plenty of light. It seems to be a fairly bright day. You all can smell the the varied vegetation around you. You can feel the atmosphere as uh, you're making a slight uphill. It's not a difficult climb by any sense, but you can feel the elevation changing. You hear the sounds of the forest and the the jungle around you, all of the different bugs and uh, screeches of some of the different animals. And it's it's once again a bit off-putting because a lot of these are noises that are unfamiliar. However, once again, most of these are noises of creatures that wouldn't be making noise if there was a predator around. So there's a, a weird instinctual comfort to that raucous noise. And you're keeping a close eye on Quat who is deftly walking down this path. Also, both ears up and out, even the one that's been half bit off, seems to be constantly rotating on alert for a variety of things. Harleton, you also notice there's still a little bit of electricity in the air, even though it's been several hours since you saw these electrified stegosaurus go by. And there's just something else you'd almost swear that you could feel something watching you but it's more of a a feeling and you're not even sure if it's that you're feeling the the presence of eyes on you more than the space that you're sharing is with something else that is causing the hairs on the back of your neck to stand up a little bit i mean it makes sense that i was the one that noticed this because I literally carry around a lightning sword. That, yeah. <laughs> I'm the most Ooh. attuned to electrical currents around me. I imagine you like licking your finger and touching your sword and going, it's not that. Mm-hmm. Not that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's similar to that. It's, a, it's You're not able to quite pin down what it is, but it pricks you just enough to notice. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of inform Quat and the gang in the Telbond. Tele- they like, hey, there's a, we're not quite out of the woods yet, both figuratively and literally. Oh, Bernie was going to be like, actually, Carlton, we're in the jungle. Jungles are woods. Woods are just trees. Jungles are just fancy trees. Exactly. I've never heard of this being a fancy jungle, a fancy 
forest. I kind of like that. Travagor just says nothing and just lifts his pinky like this. Just his pinky. The rest of the fingers are down, like fancy people do. Travancore would know. Is it getting right. late? It's three-ish. It is okay. It is mid-afternoon. You still have several hours, assuming, assuming from yesterday, kind of the amount of light you had. You think you've got a good three, four hours before it's going to start to get dark. Okay. You've still got a couple, couple hours of, of good light. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. What, what is it that you... You notice. Uh, it's uh, kind of like the static in the air is lingering, uh, that something's got its eye on us. Not that I can tell if something has an eye on us, but you know you get that, that feeling, that feeling that you can't shake. I always feel like someone's watching me. That feeling. Mm. I do not feel it, but I trust your instincts. In the Taliban, Bernie just says, <sighs> Sometimes I feel like I got no privacy. Well, I cannot help you with that. I do not know how your sleeping arrangements are. I guess we will find out tonight. But we should be cautious. There are things that are dangerous that are sneakier than I am. And sometimes they can hide amongst even the the most perceptive of of animals and people. So trust your gut. It is better to be paranoid than unprepared and he will continue to lead you as the path continues to wind and climb as i said it's a gentle incline you just feel like you're moving deeper into the center of the island and the whole island has a a much higher elevation you do reach a little bit of a crest before it's going to dip and come back up and you see a little bit of a vista before you, a few miles above the canopy where you can peer down onto everything. And it seems to stretch out into the horizon. You have to turn around and look back in order to see any hint of the endless ocean behind you. This is a fairly massive island. And you do also see what at first look like birds off to your right, off to the east, essentially. If you're heading north, which once again, there doesn't seem to to be a, a compass direction here, but if you're if you were thinking of heading north to the east, you see what look like large predatory birds swooping and continuing off that perception check, Carlton, those are very large birds. If they are birds. We were warned of very large birds. These aren't quite rock size, and there's a couple of them, so you you're pretty sure that can't be all rock because you you know enough about them to know they're they tend to be singular this is so they're pebble sized (laughs) yeah they're an island this would be if you're thinking about a very large eagle this would be four times the size of a very large eagle this is exactly i just need you to know i know you didn't plan this but this is exactly where i am in horizon zero dawn right now i just killed (laughs) a stegosaurus like like the steg, I just killed a stego machine for the first time, and I fought these birds. It's not the big bird; it's like the littler bird. I just fought mm-hmm. little birds are sons of bitches. I hate them. Ah, they suck so bad. I have found out that the sundering arrows that like tear off armor do a really good job of like freezing them, tearing like off their freezer thing and dropping them to the ground. But I just like literally, this is exactly what I was doing right before I came up here. 
Those thundering arrows are really real. I'd love, I low key love them, even though I'm a big, like, you know, I, I love the big damage numbers, but seeing parts of a big machine just fly off and you're like, oh, it doesn't have its plasma cannon anymore. Listen, I have not played Horizon Zero Dawn. However, I will not take credit for Isle Filled with Dinosaurs as being an, an wholly original concept. I mean, come on. Uh, that would be lying of me to say I came up with Isle Filled with Dinosaurs. I don't care. So. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, same. yeah, that was Armin Tamsarian. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. And, you know, there's other things on this island, too. Anyway, you come down this little bluff and you're going to continue through the jungle. A couple more hours go by. You start to get a little tired. It starts to feel like it's about to get dark or darker. And that's when Quat will stop and say, We should try to find somewhere to bed for the night. Uh, preferably somewhere dry. Uh, it is not good to wake up with what clothing, what fur, what anything. Yeah, that's how you get chafing. I got it. Uh, we'll just need a nice place that we can kind of blend into. So, Quat, if you can find us like a little, maybe a little dell or a little like place that might be off of a game trail or some such, I can erect us uh, some shelter. I can see what I can find. I know of a few places, but they are small. We will be close. How comfortable are you with cuddling? It's fine. They fart a lot, but we can make it work. It keeps us warm. High protein, high protein diet all around. You know, guys, sometimes I miss the luxury of Sir Alistair Duke and our friends. Not understanding the reference. That, and I specifically chose that reference so I don't tell him that we have a pocket house. But I know. let everybody else remind people, we have a house. Yeah, no tells in the tell bond. I was pretty sure that's what Jonathan was alluding to. <laughs> no. no, he was talking about Leoman's tiny hut, right? Yeah, yeah, I was talking about tiny hut. Oh, yeah, I miss Alistair, but it would be a shame if suddenly somebody came around and tramped his cucumbers like they did last time. Verily, yeah, we don't want to mess with, with the way things are. You know, the oysters and salmon. Oh, I'd much rather have oysters and salmon. I am not a fan of cucumbers. They creep me out for some reason. <laughs> anyway, for you. Are, yeah, cats are afraid of cucumbers, aren't that they? Was, that's, Wait, I, what? As soon as I put it together, you Hold know, on. I'm glad you got there. I'm that's a thing? Yeah. Because yeah, they think they... they're snakes. And so, like, if you put a cucumber, uh, most cats, my cat doesn't do it because she's smart. A diva. I don't know. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. But, like, if you put a cucumber behind a cat, when they, like, turn around and notice it, they think it's, like, a predator or a snake, and they, like, get real scared real quick and, like, ah! Yeah, don't do it because it's it's cruel to your cats, but there was a, a there was a time back in the before times in where startling your cats with a cucumber was a thing that people did and put on the internet. So don't do it. Just go look up the videos and, and be dumb. But yes. No, I'm asking. I, I happen to know a young lady with lots and lots and lots of cats. So I'm going to ask her, is that a thing? And if she's ever done it. I, I'm glad that it took a moment, though. I felt I felt momentarily no, back. I, I'm John, I'm really glad you reacted the way you did and then explained because I'm just like, I did not know this was a thing. Yeah, like it took me a minute when she's like, oh, I, they scare me. And I went, wait. I was like, hold lots on. Of, lots of tobacco. <laughs> That's, That's a, a low-key cat show. Cat. That's great. So Bernie just said, Top tier, how, how do you feel about pickles? 
they're like cucumbers, but much, much better. Filled with vinegar and garlic. I have not tried because I find cucumbers disquieting. And I feel like anything that has been pickled that I am disquieted by is worse. Oh. Well, you know, um, if you would like to try a pickle, maybe, in a safe, controlled environment, uh, you could come with us back to... Uh, to Waterdeep uh, briefly, and then I'm going to be making a return journey so I can bring you back. I also have Cree charcuterie, and usually there's the little cornichon on those. And <laughs> that's like a tiny pickle, so if you want to start small, I can make dinner. Quat thinks about both of your offers, looks at Bernie and says, Dinner would be good when we vacate. I know a place, a little dell, we can... Hide in is relatively safe, is a place me and my uh, hunters have been before when we've been on longer hunts. So I will take you there. As far as water deep, I've only ever heard of the place I came here when I was relatively young. I might be interested in taking a trip if it is now something that can be done, but we will have to see. I have found my place here. It is good to have a place to hunt freely. And yet, be civilized. Well, just because you found your home doesn't mean you can't go somewhere else once in a while. This is a great truth. Yes, I agree. Well, up until we came, that was definitely not the case. No, but as much as I am happy here, there is always a moment of wanderlust. There is always those moments of vatir. For Jack, that's watching food shows that take place in Latin America. Or the Pacific Rim. Is that why you are so fond of pickles? No, they're just really good. There's this man in the market district. He's the pickle man. This is my I know a guy. Because I did used to know have a pickle man when I lived in New York City. So this we're transporting him into Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, tracks. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I won't even make you roll for it. Tell me about the pickle man in Waterdeep. You had a, a pickle man is a thing? Yeah, we went to this. So, okay. So here, fuck, fuck it. We're the pot. We're just we're not dungeon drunks. We're ta- we're we're roll for tangent. Um, <laughs> roll for well, tangent. no, because this person you're about to describe is going to end up in Waterdeep and okay. is going to be your pickle supplier. So, so tell we'll, me all about the pickle we'll, supplier. Well, base them on on pickle man. So when I was in graduate school, we used to take the train down to this place. We had to we had to get off at Forty Second Street, which was just a nightmare of tourism. And there was this. Uh, skyscraper that had many things in it but among it it had a rock gym on like 30 something floor because the city and we'd go on saturdays and sundays and on saturdays and sundays there was this like little green park area right outside this building and the pickle guy would set up just these drums these big plastic white drums filled with pickles and it was amazing and it was like the best thing in the world because it was like this tall building with this rock gym and like people's apartments and like people's offices and then it had this little tiny green space out front and there was pickle guy and we just always brought enough money to get pickles from the pickle guy it was like 75 cents a pickle it was so good and they were huge and they had all different kinds and we would go to the rock gym, it would be covered in chalk. It'd be like on your face and all over and like anywhere your chalky hands touched. And it's just amazing because then you'd get back on the subway and you'd be covered in chalk and you'd look like some kind of weirdo and you'd have a bag with a pickle in it and no one would sit near you 
no one with my little fucking garlic pickle looking like a goddamn crackhead. No one wanted to be near me. It was better armor than I've ever worn in my life. Nobody harassed me. Men didn't hit on me. One time a lady got up and sat elsewhere and I felt, never have I felt so powerful. We loved our pickle man. I love you pickle man. Pickle armor for ladies. Pickle armor for la- people like, oh gosh, there's actually, there's a few moments living in New York I don't consider myself a New Yorker in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I would have to live there my entire life to probably have that moniker. But I've lived there twice in my life. And both times I had a moment where I knew that people thought I was from there because they moved away from me on the subway. And I thought, "Mm mm-hmm. And Bernie tells this entire story, except it is couched in terms of when she was in her batch near the Mother Temple, learning about the tenants of Queen Bay and how her and her friend would get this this free time to go on the weekends out rock climbing. And usually on the, the, the trip on the way back in from where they would love to rock climb, there was this guy who would sell pickles, especially during the summer, how wonderful it was, and all these different types of pickles. And so by the time she's finished telling this story, Quat has led you off the path. And it's interesting because it's not like there is a split. There's no obvious path to lead off from the main path that you are on. He just suddenly stops and looks to his right and parts a leaf and walks into the jungle. And there's a uncomfortable 10 seconds of pushing aside wet vegetation and walking through the the muddy ground that's saturated with water. And all of a sudden, it kind of opens up a little bit into a little clearing. It's more that there's a couple of incredibly tall trees with massive canopies, more than what you would expect from a normal jungle tree. The The leaves are the size of Carlton, if not larger, and the trunk itself goes 14, 15, 16 feet up into the air before these leaves hang on down. And there's Four of them in a cluster that has blocked out any of the light that's reaching the ground. And so this is a spot in where, with the exception of a couple of trunks, there is a good bit of cleared vegetation. There's not any shrubs or anything. And you can actually see right in the middle of this, this quadrant of trunks is the remains of a fire, a campfire. This is obviously a place in where people have come to camp multiple times. And Quat kind of grandly with one of his claws motions to this location. And in the Telbond, because once again, he's continuing to be quiet externally, says, And we are here. Welcome to home away from home. Okay. Uh, Jonathan, the magic muscular, starts kind of like sits uh, down uh, crisscross applesauce and starts like roiling his hands and starts summoning various purple energies around him. And, and while you're doing this in the Telbond, as you're as you're casting, Quat will say, the, this is interesting, but but what is all of this? Should I be worried? Should I be excited? Is it a pickle? Is he summoning this pickle? No, nah, nah, he's going to he's going to it's basically like pitching. His, it's his version of pitching a tent. Yeah. Oh, magic tent. All right, yeah. I am interested. 
Yeah, so basically, we let him do his thing. We, we, we give him the oohs and the ahs. Like, we're impressed. Uh, and we get a little house out of it. Or not a house, but like a little hut. A tiny hut, if you will. Carlton, you said some of the quiet part out loud. I'm assuming all of this was in the tell bond. I'm assuming at this point, unless someone says No, I meant like loud. the ooze and the ahs. <laughs> oh, okay. I was genuinely impressed. I am about to be genuinely impressed because I did not bring tent. I just sleep and get bet. But if this is a magic tent... Oh, let us see. I will say this is much better than a magic tent. So about a minute into it, Jonathan stands up and he's still, or a minute from the end, he's still rolling his hands. And then at the very end, he takes a stance and goes, like puts his hands out uh, in both directions in a uh, bubble, shimmers briefly, and then sort of like cloaks into the surrounding the surrounding color palette. It's not like completely camoed, but it takes on some of the color like in the immediate area. Ooh. It's been a while ah. since you've cast Tiny Hut. I know it can fit like, it can fit plenty of you. Can you remind me of some of the dimensions? Sure. Let me bring it up here. Mostly just so I can navigate the, the description of this appropriately, but I know for a fact it'll fit all of you. Tiny Hut, Tiny Hut, looking for the Tiny Hut. All right, so casting time is 11 minutes. It lasts for eight hours. A 10-foot radius immobile dome of force springs into existence around and above you and remains stationary for the duration. The spell ends if I, if you leave the area. Nine creatures of medium size or smaller can fit inside the dome with you. The spell fails if the area includes a larger creature or more than nine creatures. Creatures and objects within the dome... Uh, when you cast a spell, can move through it freely. All other creatures and objects are barred from passing through it. Spells and other magical effects can't extend uh, through the dome or be cast through it. Uh, the atmosphere inside the space is comfortable and dry, regardless of the weather outside. Until the spell ends, you can command the interior to become dimly lit or dark. The dome is opaque from the outside of any color you choose, but it's transparent from the inside. Awesome. So with the, you said a 10 foot radius of 20 feet on the ground, it is uh, a little tight with everybody, but it is not uncomfortable by, by means. And certainly the now incredibly comfortable atmosphere and the promise of safety is very alluring. And you explain all this to Quat, who smiles broadly, the the cat-like fangs kind of showing for the first time. And he says, Odd so to be very useful for us on a regular basis. But usually those that come out with me on the hunt are more martial than magical. So I, I like this very much. Yeah, if uh, if there's anyone in town that has arcane talents... I might be able to teach them this spell. There are some, but we are so isolated, it is hard to find new things for people to learn. So it tends to be same thing over and over until new people come on boats. Or remains of boats. Right. Or in mouth of dragon. Oh, dear. Those are always bad. Oh, no. Anyway, I think this is lovely. We should still have people up and watching just to be safe. Would anybody... Like to choose a watch. Oh, I'll, I'll take first. That is good. You can sleep for eight hours. You all need to sleep for many hours. Yes. Uh, Jonathan, the Muscular and Bucks will take a uh, second watch. 
Bernie will take the last or one. Or actually, wait, would it be better for Carlton to take one of the mid, the later ones, and then that way you can get your spellcasting sleep either on the bookends? Well, I mean, Bernie would need the same kind of bur- spellcasting. Bernie right, will but take like, the Bernie la- could do the dawn. Yeah. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, let's... First. Uh, yeah, why don't Bernie and... Uh, we'll split up the beginning and ends. And then I'll take one... I'll take second. Third. Would you like me to join you for any of these watches? Uh... Up to you. Yeah, if you want to hang out, that's fine. I, we'll, we'll, let, we'll, we'll let you have, it's, it's your home, you can have choice. Yeah. I will take first. It is my experience. If anything is going to bother us at night, it has followed us here. And once you get through first watch, tends to be okay. So, is there anything else you would like to do that the non-existent sun has gone down at this point. It is starting to get very dark. Uh, Once again, no moon and no stars. So out here in the jungle, it is pitch. Even your dark vision can only pierce so far before it is as as black as tar and unknowable out beyond the dome. Is there anything else you would like to do before you all bed down for the evening? I'm assuming food will be had and oh, charcuterie board, constitutionals be taken care of. Yeah, yeah. Bernie's going to be like, "This is what you should really be excited about," and she's going to use create charcuterie to make enough dinner for all of them, and it's going to include tiny little cornichons. Okay, so for our audience at home that does not have access to create charcuterie. Is it, this is create cheese plate, right? Yeah. You know what? It's my spell. I created it. I am happy to let you flavor it as create charcuterie and create little bits of, of not cheese. I'm sorry. This is what happens when you play a character that can have access to all the spells in your character's roster at all times because anything I homebrew shows up. It's a first level spell. You create a variety of cheese on a cutting board within range enough to satisfy up to six humanoids. The cheese is a variety of your choosing and spoils if uneaten after four hours. Anyone who eats some cheese gains five temporary hit points and gains advantage on the next intelligence check made in the next minute. And so we will say that... You are experienced enough with create cheese plate in order to make it create charcuterie, as long as what else you're creating on the cheese plate would normally go in a charcuterie. And uh, you create little tiny pickles. What were they again? Cornichon. It's, it's, it's the, I think it's the French word for pickle in general or cucumber or something. I can't remember. But they're generally referred to like when you use the word cornichon in like English, you're just basically saying tiny little pickles. Um, so, so like gherkins? Yeah. Yeah. So there's tiny little pickles. There's some olives because Stephen likes those. Um, there's a couple types of cheese. There's some meat. There's some crackers. Uh, there's a few dried fruits sprinkled among it, and yeah, just like a nice, very nice for God. Now I really want some charcuterie, guys. Make same, it happen. Same. So you create this along with some of the uh, other food that you've brought, since this isn't a full meal for dinner, but it's certainly uh, very appetizing and and a good portion of the meal. And there's a moment or two in where your tabaxi friend is eyeing the tiny little pickles with some suspicion, but then extends his, his hand pulls out one of his claws, spears one of the pickles, and pops it in his mouth and chews away. And... Are you rolling to see if he likes pickles now? I am. And he rolled in the double digits, and so I'm gonna say... 
Mm, sweeter than I imagined. Crunch is weird, but sweet is good. I like. I'm going to have to. I literally just bought pickles today. I'm going to have a motherfucking pickle after we're done here. Oh, we have spicy pickles in my fridge from Amish country. Ooh, yeah, spicy pickles, kosher dills, sweet gherkins. There is not a pickle I do not like. Unlike the tabaxi I'm currently playing, who is suspicious of all pickles, but likes your gherkins. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams in a single grand adventure. And it is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Silver and Steel, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on November 1st at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to your shop, and type in this code. H-E-S-T-A-I-M-S-P-O-L-S So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got for your champions. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. Okay, the first watch is happening. Who's Who is joining Quat? Jonathan and uh, Bucks. Awesome. Everybody beds down for the evening a little closer than you normally would. You're used to your house where everybody's got a room. This is the first time in a very long time that you've come close to roughing it. But it is not... Uh, it is not too bad. The ground has dried out where uh, Jonathan has put down the hut. You've all got some basic supplies in your your gear, some blankets and stuff, and it is comfortable in the hut even if you are not on mattresses. So everybody gets to go to sleep, and Jonathan and Bucks, I would like some perception checks, as I'm assuming you're keeping eyes and ears open. Yes, so Bucks is going to just get advantage just because he is an owl. And Quat is not going to roll himself. He is going to give you advantage. So he's going to help you, Jonathan. Great. Jonathan the Magimuscular, to get right back down to it, uh, is going to get a 14. Uh, Bucks is going to get a 21. So the the couple of hours that you are spending on watch are mostly uneventful. They are, as Quat said, the most active. There is still a lot of noise and uh, movement out in the jungle that you can see and hear and feel. And there's one moment in where Bucks could swear he sees what looks like some kind of large, maybe it's a panther, but it's moving a little differently than a panther it's it's some large four-legged hunter stalker animal that resembles at least to bucks's perception a large panther-like figure but uh even his keen senses can't quite pick out enough of the details but it seems to half circle you and then walk away and so with the exception of those couple of moments as it it seems to just walk around the the hut and then walk away everything seems to go quietly and there's nothing that sparks your attention okay but well, during that moment bucks's uh bucks's claws kind of squeeze into jonathan the Magimuscular muscular as he relays some of this in emotion and in the in 
the mind's image that Bucks is sending. It's like this giant cat, just like really exaggerated, with like glowing eyes, six glowing eyes in the woods, just like stalking along. And uh, and and Jonathan re- recognizing that this is just because Bucks is uneasy. He definitely saw something, but it's a bit exaggerated. He's just like, uh, that's okay, buddy. You're, you're you're doing good. Doing good, buddy. All right. Uh, your watch comes to an end. Who was next? I think it was uh, Carl. would be Carlton. It would be second watch. Awesome. Carlton, you are unfortunately on your own. Yeah, Give fine. me a perception check. Uh, that will be a 27. Nice. The jungle around you has quieted significantly. There's still some night insects that you can hear, but the if this was a city, the daytime hustle and bustle has greatly died down by the time you are woken up for your watch. And so it is almost laughably easy to keep an eye and an ear out, especially knowing that the dome is going to protect you. There's a little bit of an ease to your watch. You feel like just knowing that you could not be snuck up on makes it a little easier for you to relax and feel the jungle around you. And you see fireflies off in the distance. You hear a couple of the midnight insects. And at one point, you do see one of those very, very large creatures, because it's not a bird. Now that it flies overhead, there are no feathers. It's just leathery wings and a giant beak as it actually flaps above you as it's mostly gliding and the flap is what gives it away to your keen senses but it's just traveling over you and in a moment it is gone and otherwise your watch goes off quietly and i wouldn't recognize what kind of creature this was give me a history check all right history with my mighty plus one 13 you think this is one of those dinosaurs cool it's a dinosaur not some weird dragon. Got it. <laughs> no, it was nowhere near even uh, large enough for a, it was a big creature, larger than even giant eagles, but not even large enough to be dragon. And you did very clearly only see two legs. So cool. even even a little too big for a drake. Got it. Cool. There's All right. lots of dinosaurs. Yes. Big dino. Who's got the third watch? Me and Shadow. Awesome. Uh, and when Travancore and I are switching off, I'll let him know about the big giant dino bird. Good looking out, bud. Thanks. All right. And is Shadow joining you for this? Yeah. Awesome. So I would like either both of you to roll perception checks or if one of you wants to give the other advantage. I think I will give Shadow advantage because his perception check is ridiculously high. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Okay. High roll is 31. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. For the first hour, completely silent. Like, maybe every once in a while a cricket, a little bit of a rustling of some leaves. Nothing that you can see, nothing that bothers either of you. It's still a little odd to look up and not see any stars or a moon, but otherwise it seems pretty quiet. And then Shadow notices eyes peering at him from the, the canopy around him. It's a good 10 feet away from where the edge of the bubble is. Jonathan's dome encompasses basically the entire space of this tiny little clearing 
under the four trees. And into the underbrush, just about ten feet away, Shadow almost casually looks on over and sees two little yellowish pinpricks of light that for a moment seem like some of the fireflies that you've seen around, but they are steady and unmoving. And then his keen eyes pick out the outline of a tiny little mask, oval-shaped, almost floating in the air, uh, but it is minuscule. It is it is smaller than his paw. It is not like a human size. This is a this mask is maybe only a couple of inches. And it's red. It's a red mask, and he sees these little pinpricks of yellow that kind of swirl around, except for these two that are stationary like eyes. And just as he has given you a little bit of a, a bump, he's kind of gently shoulder-checked you, because I believe at this point that Rory's telepathic bond has died. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he, he gives you a little bit of... <clears throat> He doesn't really make any noise, but he kind of just leans into you enough that you know that he he's looking at something and you look over and it takes you a moment to pick out this creature because now Shadow can see from the the head down where this mask is, this tiny little bipedal form in blacks and browns, almost invisible amongst the leaves, but Shadow is a a world-traveled bear who has spent a lot of time with a master ranger and is knowledgeable enough about the hut that Jonathan has put down to feel the same way Carlton did. This is a safe space, and so there is not a tenseness to the the perception around him, which means he can take that ease of a moment to pick out the arms and the legs as this creature kind of casually sits on a tiny little branch. It's maybe only about a foot tall at most. And it just peers at you. What would you like to do? Uh, Travancore is going to whisper to Shadow, let's not make the first move. We'll keep an eye on uh, everything else, but we'll, we'll, we'll mind uh, our, our little friend there too. And Shadow doesn't uh, make any noise, but you can tell that he understands and he was laying down but at this point he does sit up just not on alert but almost like a cat sitting up paws extended in front of him back legs seated and the two of you are looking and and essentially lock eyes with this tiny little creature and now with it being obvious that you notice each other it hops off the branch and it's lithe, it's quick. It jumps to jump off the branch and seems to just appear on the ground. And it takes you both a moment to catch the form again with the the swirling lights in the head. And it approaches cautiously the hut, gets within about three or four feet and stops. Standing there, not trying to touch the hut or anything, hands at its sides. And now that it's a little closer, you can see this is almost like a, an oval mask that a humanoid is wearing. And it's got the yellow pin pricked eyes. And the mask is the red 
of cooling lava. And the yellow swirling around it almost seems to be like the embers coming off a fire. And it cocks its head kind of curiously at Shadow. And Shadow, seeming to sense that, at least for the moment, this is still not a danger, mirrors that cocked head look. Just over to the right. Uh, Travancore, just in a friendly but not condescending way, says, hello. The being cocks its head the other way and just kind of continues to stare at you. We're just passing through. It leans its mask in a few, for it, millimeters closer, as though it's like trying to peer through the dome. And you know that the dome is opaque from the outside, but it seems to have locked eyes with both of you. And it, it just seems to be looking, and it moves the mask back and forth just enough that you can tell it's looking at you, Travancore, and looking at Shadow, and looking at Travancore, and looking at Shadow. And it just takes another moment and peers at you. And Shadow is kind of, at this point, once again, cautious, but not yet on alert, and is keying off of what you would like to do, Travancore. I normally don't eat after 8 p.m., but if we were to have a snack, would you care to join us? And it cocks its head to the other side again curiously almost a canine kind of when you talk to your dog and your dog cocks his head at you like it's listening and you're not quite sure if it understands but it's definitely hearing you so Travancore is going to pull i guess an apple from his bag and he's going to leave it like basically outside the yurt pretty much um if the creature wants to the being wants to take it they they certainly can but if not you know it's just one apple Travancore's had plenty of them at this point how do you place the apple outside the, the tiny hut? I don't know why, but I imagine we were on the roof of the hut, of the yurt the whole time. Like, I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, but whatever the case may be, Travancore is going to take uh, about three steps forward, put the apple down with his arms open, and then walk back, like, backwards without, like, turning his back. And then be like, it's yours if you want it. You come out of the hut, put the apple down. The instant any part of you comes out of the hut, this tiny little creature seems to just vanish into the ground. It's just gone. You put the apple down, you say what you say, and go back into the hut. And the instant you're back in the hut, it's as if it blends out of one of the trees. It just kind of walks out. And then it approaches the apple, which is almost as big as it is. And circles it and then looks at the two of you curiously for another moment. And then it puts a little hand on, on the apple and you blink. And it and the apple are gone. Hmm. Shadow looks like we're meeting new people out here. And Shadow kind of shifts a little bit. Half uneasy, half curious, but feeling like, once again, there's not any imminent danger. Well, unless Sri Pollock Bonaventure's lecture about contaminating places with foreign flora and fauna sets in. I don't know if Travancore remembers it or not, though. <laughs> I am so glad it was Travancore that saw this on his watch, not Carlton, because Carlton would have little, put a little trail of popcorn back into the hut for the thing. Well, it's a good thing they would have uh, bumped against the size of the hut. That's true. Would you like to do anything else, Travancore? I'll just keep an eye out for anything else, basically. Maybe if there is a snack in my bag, I'll have whatever is, I'll snack on whatever jerkier rations is in there, breaking his own rule against eating after 8 p.m. 
it's the next day at this point. It's it's less about after 8 p.m. and it's it's just pre-breakfast. It's almost breakfast, yeah. There you it's go. It's coming up at like 3 or 4 at this point. Yep. The rest of your and Shadow Shadow's watch goes off without any disturbance or, as far as you know, another visitation from this being. All right. And at the end of my uh, my shift, I'll, uh, I'll wake up Bernie. I'll let her know what happened and I'll share my concerns that I may have contaminated the ecosystem here. Um, why, why did you even leave the hut to interact with it? We're in hostile what? territory, man. You don't know what that thing could have done. Did you oh. wake up Jonathan? Or oh, is he I still thought asleep? this was the next morning. Nope, because we still have one more watch to get through. Ah. So unless, so he's woken up Bernie. Are you waking up everyone to tell them, or are you just no, nah, just up Bernie? Bernie? Because okay. I don't see a threat yet, and if, if, if it comes anything more, Bernie will wake us all up anyway. Bernie says uh, very quietly, so as not to wake everyone else. He goes, "So it's not supposed to be able to see us." Not in the hut. Yeah, the Travancore will say, well, uh, well, we can see it inside the hut, apparently. That shouldn't happen. Well, you go to new places, you learn new things, I guess. Interesting. Well, it didn't, didn't try to hurt you. Nope. Mm-hmm. Bernie's going to let him go to sleep, and she's going to take her watch. Awesome. You set up, and I would love a perception check from you. Do I have advantage because I'm comfy? You don't have advantage because you're comfy. Uh, the others had advantage because they a second being was helping them. But that comfort extends to everybody. And so I keep that in mind. Okay, not so bad. That's a 19. Excellent. You're a little more wary because of this interaction with Travancore. And so you're keeping a very close eye, especially in the direction that Travancore indicated this creature had appeared and took the apple. But... As your couple of hours go by, the forest around you starts to wake up, but nothing catches your attention. The light in the sky starts to appear. Once again, no sun, but the the general sky just starts to light up. And slowly, the forest around you once again starts to make noise and creatures start to stir And just as it would be approximately a little after dawn, your watch is coming to an end and everything seems fine. Okay. Bernie is going to wake everyone up for the day. Right? That's that's I'm the last one. Yeah. You are the last one. And she's going to say, good morning. Good morning. Trappencore made a friend last night. The friend. I'm sorry. What? Well, friendship takes years to, uh, or you know, months in some cases to cultivate and uh, immature, but uh, definitely uh, an acquaintance, a not, uh, potentially non-hostile one, at least didn't seem hostile from my first encounter. And Travancore will describe the uh, the being um, that he, he ran into last night and relay the story, relay what he told Bernie. Based on that description, can Jonathan figure out what it is? Give me a nature check. Nature. Jonathan the Magic Muscular is uh, still groggy. What'd you roll? A nine. Unfortunately, your tabaxi friend didn't do too much better as you describe this creature. He says, I have heard of nature spirits on this island, but uh, nothing exactly like that. Small creatures, yes. Curious, harmless, but... I don't know. That is different than the ones I have heard of. Something about the the red and the yellow. But I guess if it did not harm you and it just took an apple, sometimes 
it is not friendship, but it is just you go your way, I go mine. That is enough for me. Why could it see through the hut? Is it not a hut you can see through? I can see out. Or is that not how this works? You're, uh, supposed to be able to see out, but no one is supposed to be able to see in. Duh. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess the next time we see this creature, we will just have to ask. If you think it'll tell us. I have no clue, but it is good to try, right? Yeah, I thought John. I like your style. Might know why it could see past his spell. It's a nobody. Like, let me tell you, there's been a what did we call them? What was that demon that we fought, Carlton? The the rock demon. Well, not the rock demon. The one in the snow. The ultra the one. The, the ultra, ultra lock, Yes. It was not that long ago, so I'll just give it to you. You have fought so many demons, you have to quantify them with when and where and snow. Well, also, I mean, John the player is like, well, demon, rot demon, ultraloth, ultraloth. Technically both fiends. Yeah, yeah, we fight a lot of demons here, Quat. <laughs> There's been a few, I won't lie. They went to Avernus for a little while. I mean, technically the abyssal chickens are demons as well, so you could add that into the mix. I hope you stick around and I am able to hear all stories of you fighting demons. That sounds exciting. Well, we fought an Ultraloth. And we were in the tiny hut for a little while before that. And the Ultraloth couldn't see us. I do not know what this Ultraloth is. It's more like an ultra pain in my ass, if I'm gonna be honest. Topical humor. This is a strange place. I've lived most of my life here, so I cannot speak... Too much from experience outside here, but what I understand, the creatures here are altered, changed, weird, affected, different. Many who are pulled from different places, some who have changed just by being on this island. That's why many of the the creatures here have strange powers, do weird things. My understanding is they don't do that in other places, but... As I said, you never know until you ask. And then if it does not answer and attack you, then you have a fight. And then it is exciting. Did any of the inhabitants of the island uh, develop, um, like, the of the, I guess, the elvenoid ones? By which Travancore means humanoid, of course. Develop any kind of powers or abilities after living here? None that could not be explained by normal lineage or study or anything like that. Nah, these are... This is a... Connection to the island that is primal. This is this is something that is a a force of nature that is affecting the creatures around here. But once again, I only know about this from those who come who say, Oh, that is not natural. Well, it is to us. It is another plane of existence. So knowing absolutely nothing about how any of this works. I think it would at least, well, at the very least, well, we center our experiences on ourselves. Everybody normalizes themselves and their experience. So to say something isn't natural, perhaps it is. Our magic is the magic of our plane. Perhaps on this plane it works differently. This is a great truth. And remembering that will be good. But we should get going. There is... 
light, and if we move without delay, I can get you to the edge of the volcano with several hours before it gets dark again. I think that's a good idea. Given that we're going to be pretty silent, I assume we want to do the telebond again? Well, it seems like your friend is busy studying something, so I will let him study book, and when he is done, we will do our book. I'll make breakfast. Bernie's gonna use create breakfast. Create breakfast and coffee? Yeah. This is create- this is Bernie. It's create breakfast and tea. Okay. I will- I will once again, as the creator of the spell, allow you to alter it to be tea instead of coffee. And yeah, you all have a hearty breakfast as the dome comes down around you, as the jungle comes to life, and as you are just about ready to leave for the next leg of your journey, we will pause there. And next time we get together, we'll do the rest of the trip to the volcano. But first, let me give you some experience for, I know, a pickle man, for contaminating the ecosystem. (laughs) God, that was good. Yeah, that was super good. I'm excited for Travancore being a um, the cane toad of the Isle of Dread. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you put an apple down and now everything is destroyed. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> Considering on a regular basis, people and objects and items are pulled from one plane of existence and dropped on the shore and this isle is still around. You're pretty confident one apple is not going to completely destroy the ecosystem, but I appreciate the fact that you thought about it. Also, for some very nice perception checks and a chat about how to get around talking about your pocket house, I'm giving give you a total of 10,200 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, it will be your second day of journeying on the Isle of Dread. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Magic Dance, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.